0: Are you curious on how much your business is worth? Get your free no-obligation offer from OpenStore at open.store. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly $500 billion by 2025. Recharge is a leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale their subscription offerings. Over 15,000 merchants use subscriptions powered by Recharge to grow their business and their communities by increasing average order value, reducing churn, and providing predictable recurring revenue. Turn transactions into long term customer relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Check them out at rechargepayments.com forward slash DTC pod. Yeah, DJ, thank you. Thank you for for being on DTC Pod. I'm super stoked to have you as a creator, entrepreneur, you know, content master, even a little bit of comedian because I I saw some of your (laughs) videos in your Instagram and I was dying laughing. There's one (laughs) specifically that the one that says I'm about to head into work another day another time. (laughs) And just like that humor to me was just hilarious. So you know i would love to start you know there's a lot to unpack here in terms of you know different businesses that you run but man your content is so on point that the main thing that stood out to me is how does this man divide like how much percentage of his time is like making content is making content his entire business but you know first let's take a step back and talk about like where did this all begin what was your first dollar As a content creator earned, like, um, can you take us back to that? How did it all
1: start? Yeah, let's, uh, so it actually goes to, like, probably, I'm trying to think. When did YouTube start? Like 2006 or something like that? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, so YouTube started when I was in. I think YouTube started when I was in high school around that time, and I saw YouTube and I was like, "This is dope." So I was like making videos back in high school, and we'd be boxing our friends and stuff, and we'd be knocking like literally like tearing each other up. We had a trampoline in the back of my parents' house, and we'd have uh, boxing gloves, and we always kept the boxing gloves in the back of my trunk. And if anybody had any issues. We would just fight on site right now, like that was our thing. So it was like, oh, you got a problem? Get the gloves, and then we were just no like scrapping No it out. weight division, yeah, no age H- didn't matter, none of it. So we was recording that, and everybody in the school would be laughing and falling and having a good time. And then when I got to the end of high school. Um, and going into college, I had started my business reselling sneakers and everything. And I was like, okay, well, if I make videos on YouTube reviewing these shoes, I can get people to come to my website and purchase shoes and all this stuff. So I was kind of like creating this funnel without even really knowing what I was doing. Um, just a young kid, you know, 18, trying to figure it out. And I had a YouTube channel, got to about 5,000 subs, and it was monetized. And I didn't know anything about the monetization program. And obviously, you know, that's what, 2010 at this point And I was clicking on the ads and I got my whole channel demonetized and banned. So I'm like, I can never get, they wouldn't let me to get monetized again. I tried for like two years. So my first dollar was made then, but it was gone very fast. And I kind of just was like, I'm done with YouTube. I don't understand any of this. Like, I don't know what to do. So I just kind of went throughout college, continued football, pursuing the NFL and running my business. And um, from there, When I got out of college, I was like, man, I love movies. I love cinema. I love all this stuff. Like, I just want to make videos again. Like, I had so much fun. I remember doing that. So by the time I got through, while I was was getting through college, I was like, you know what? I'm going to just make videos again. If I don't get monetized or whatever, I'll just do it because I want to do it. Because it's just fun to me. So the first dollar was made a long time ago. And there was a big gap before, like, the new channel came and everything kind of, you know, switched up.
0: How did that, how do you... I was going to say, how do you think that affected your experience and how do you diversify how you're not, you know, it seems like you you got a slap on the wrist early on of, you know, what could happen if you build all of your content, you know, all of your eggs in one basket in one platform. I know you mentioned offline, you know, you mentioned the real estate, like, you know, w- was that part of, you know, how you decided to diversify sort of like everything
1: right. you do. So at the time, uh, my business was doing really well when I was young and in, uh, getting into college. And I had sold like, I had made, I would say, I probably made just over 100000 within my first like uh, five months and being in business. I started like closer to the end of the year and I was like a freshman in college and I was just flipping kicks and then that brought me into like working with pro athletes and consulting and doing these other things. So I had learned that stuff and I was like, this is my thing. This is my cash cow. I'm really good at this. I love this. And if anything, this is my fallback plan if I don't make it to the NFL. Because I don't want to apply for a job. I don't want to work for anybody. I've never had a real, like I worked at my parents' job. I got fired on my day off when I was in high school. I told my parents I would never work again for anybody else unless it was for myself. So me flipping kicks, doing all those things, that was kind of like my nest egg, my fallback plan. And it was like, when I was in college, it was cool because they allowed me to use my work that I had done through flipping Shoes during for my business program uh, to graduate school. Because they said, you have the experience, you've done the things that allowed me to submit the work that I've already done as my assignments, which was pretty convenient. And that allowed me to spend more time on business and football and not have to worry as much about school because I was already doing the groundwork initially during that time. So... I was ready to purchase a home. Uh, by the time I was 20, I was like, I'm ready. I tried to do a deal. That was like my first time getting into it. And uh, I just, it just fell through. Like the I needed one more signature for somebody to sign off because there was two people on the title and uh, the mom of the person didn't want to sign and she didn't even live into it. It was just a whole like mess and I learned from that too. So I was like, same situation. I was like, I'm ready to buy a home. I'm young, I'm in college, all this stuff. But I think I'm gonna just wait when I get out of college, when I finish this stuff. I'm hitting the ground running, and my senior year came around, and I was doing really well in the business at that time. I'm training for the NFL, getting ready to go to the combine. I purchased two homes um, my first, what was that, like March, April, I think, at the beginning of the year. It was just the end of my senior year of college, and then the combine was like right at the same time, so all within like a 90, or actually it was probably like a 45-day period there was like two homes purchased, graduating college, going to the combine, and it was just all these things happening, but it was all kind of happening at the same time for my fallback plan. I'm like, if I got a house, I got the rental income, I got all these things, and then I got the other house, I'm renting that one out. I was renting my house out this one right now. I was renting this out before I even moved in. <laughs> I was still sleeping at my parents' house. <laughs> I was like, I'm trying to make some money. So, I made sure my life expenses were covered before I even got started when I graduated college that way. I didn't come out of college with a bunch of stress and I was able to put myself in a position to then follow my passion in creating videos. And that kind of followed just a little bit after that during the summer, um, I graduated in 20, what year I graduated, 2016, 2017, something like that. So the end of uh, 2017, yeah, it was ComplexCon, I was like, I'm going to ComplexCon, I'm meeting some people out there, let's get the YouTube channel going, let's make stuff happen, let's start making some videos. So that was kind of like the intro to this new thing, like, let's start a whole new channel, let's get everything started from scratch. And during that summer, I just like, really made sure I educated myself, on monetization and how it works and the music and clicking on ads and the whole process and then that led me down a rabbit hole affiliate marketing all these things and I started finding all these other avenues of making money during that time but one thing I would say for a lot of people too is like don't let the research time hold you back from creating the content I feel like a lot of people say oh yeah I'm gonna start my channel next year because of these reasons I need to go through that like go through the growing pains of creating the videos because just like you're doing research, you got to create the videos too and learn from those and grow because your old videos are never going to be as good as your videos now. And my videos now are not going to be as good as my videos next year. So it's like that process needs to get started as well. And I
2: think that's such a good point in terms of like the iterative process of anything, whether it's a business, whether it's creative. I mean, it's something that we see and, and we we put a lot of time in on the podcast as well. It's like every the first episode versus the second versus where we're right now. We want to we want to keep getting it better and better and better. So, DJ, the question I'd have for you is: um, so it sounds like like way back in the day, you just kind of started messing around with YouTube. You built up some subs, and then I know you mentioned the channel got banned. What like what happened? Like how would did you get banned? And um, yeah, what what was that all about?
1: So, <laughs> I still got the channel. It's crazy because it still got like a few thousand subs on it. Um. The channel was all about sneakers, same thing, but it was mainly for the business, it was in the business's name. And I was trying to figure out like, all right, I'm getting leads, but I'm trying to make money off these ads. Like I see they're popping up on my thing, but my views were kind of low. Cause you know, you're just getting started. You only got a couple thousand subs. Like you're not getting crazy views. I started clicking on the ads. Like I was in the library at my college and I was just clicking on the ads and I was doing it on different computers. And I was trying to see like, okay, how many times do I need to click on it to see like, you know, if I make money. So then i look the next day. Cause you know how it like, takes a little bit to load in and it's like the following day. I'm like, Oh shoot, I made 70 cents. Like this is dope. Like I just clicked on all these ads and I'm like telling all the homies like, yo, click on the ads. If you're on the thing, like I need the plug, I'm trying to make some money and me trying to make 70 cents. Next thing you know, I got $3 and 20 cents. And then next thing you know, they're like, all right, you're banned here, buddy. And I'm like, damn. So I got an email <laughs> from YouTube oh. and it was like, uh something from the ip address or whatever it was me like doing it cl- re-clicking on the videos and stuff because i'm just like churning the ads and trying to run it up and so they're like yeah you're banned and then it was like months later they're like they give you like a window to like appeal it like after like i don't know if it's six months or something like that i try to appeal it they're like no i'm like okay i'm devastated let me try in a year try to appeal it no i'm like you know what i'm done with youtube f this i don't care no more and then later i was like i still want to make YouTube videos. <laughs>
2: Oh my God. That's so funny. So basically you were, you were, you, you, guys were just like clicking around on the ads and, and that's what flagged it for YouTube. So, so in that scenario, is there no, there's basically no recourse in getting that channel back. Right. So after college, you were like, I like, I still like making videos. We're going to start this up from, from square one again and build it
1: brick by brick. Yeah, it was essentially that. And then it was just like, do it again, do it right, be very cautious, make sure I'm using all the right music, background music, everything, just the initial stuff. Even before I hit the 4,000 hours and the and the 1,000 subs, I'm like, let me build this foundation correctly. Um, for when I get to that point, they don't look back on my channel and be like, oh, you've been using all this, you know? Because I didn't know, I kind of knew, but I was like, you know, at this time, let's just play it as safe as possible. Um, and, you know, don't even worry about any type of warnings or nothing. I don't want anything on the channel, so. I, th- I think that was kind of having me tiptoeing initially at the start. And then I started to find my identity within creating that way. And I don't use, I, yeah, I rarely use like cursing or anything on the channel too. Um, so for me, I'm like, I try to keep that clean because I know that's a huge opportunity with brands and different deals. Like I'm still myself. I can talk my way. I just got to clean it up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So I got to hit that beep in there, or that silent sound. So that way the brands, when I'm trying to get that big deal one day. Because I I think that was something that was in my mind. Like, if I make these mistakes now, like, oh, yeah, I only got 3,000 subs. But then I'm like, other side of my mind is like, I'm about to go get a million subscribers. And if I want to go get a million subscribers, they're going to look back at all my stuff and see my real character of me. Like, I need to represent myself correctly. So that was another thing for me, just kind of making sure I was on the right point.
0: And did you throughout that period, what did you do? Where did you focus your efforts? Like by the time that you were banned, did you just say, I'm just going to build up my Instagram? Like there was no TikTok at that time, probably. So, I mean, there weren't many other channels to distribute video really, probably Reels wasn't even out.
1: I'm trying to think. um, So that was like, I remember when Instagram launched and uh, I remember... What I used to do on Instagram was, like, I would follow, like, every night I would follow hella people, like, in the sneaker industry, and then everybody would follow. That was when everybody was generous with following, right? So, I remember I had, like, 10,000 followers on Instagram on my business page uh, before, like, I don't know, whatever that was, 2012 or something like that. Like, it was a long time ago. And um, I was doing that, and I was following all these people, and then I would unfollow everybody and have like hella followers, and I'd do it again, and then and then Instagram caught on to that with people. Remember they started doing that, and they were like, you can only do so many per day and everything. You're like eating lunch, like doing follow, follow, follow. I was doing the everyone. same thing I was <laughs> yeah. doing on YouTube. I just started doing it on Instagram. <laughs> But I did that, and it actually built my business because I was literally getting the right people in that target audience, and I was making sure I was looking for – I wasn't just following anybody. I'm like, okay, these people follow this platform. Like, let me follow all those people. So I was doing that heavy. I was building the brand, and I didn't even have a personal Instagram at the time. I waited to get a personal Instagram for some years because everybody wanted to see my shoe collection. They wanted to see all my stuff, and it was like, I'm just trying to sell y'all kicks. I'm trying to keep the business over here. Like, y'all don't need to worry about me. And then I realized, like, okay, if I build a brand around myself – This might be something better. So a few years later, I don't know if that was like 20, maybe 14 or 15 by then, 13. That's when I decided like, okay, I'm going to make my own Instagram. I'm going to build my own little following. And I wasn't even too worried about the following as much. I just wanted to post and share like how much I love shoes and all the shoes that I had and I know some people was like, oh, it's flexing and all this. I'm like, bro, I just love sneakers. I want to post this stuff. Like this Instagram is specifically for that. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. And then I think people kind of saw that authenticity in me being me through what I love. And that's what kind of gravitated more people through to come to my channel
0: and i mean so let's talk about that like what about your collection like you know there's there's so many sneaker people out there whatever but like not many are actually like in the ranks making bank like what is it about it is it is it like sneaker flipping is it your collection is it a combination of both um what's the flex really like I mean, it's the collection, right? It's like all the collectible sneakers and, right. um, and basically you just have a stacked collection. It's an asset.
1: Mm-hmm. So I've been collecting for about 15, 16 years now. I started when I was young and in high school. And uh, that kind of led to people like, hey, you got all the kicks. Like, what's up? I need some kicks, bro. And I'm like, "Uh, no, I'm not selling you my shoes. And then I was like, you know what? If I'm at the store and I can get multiples, let me grab extras. And just, you know, charge, you know, 20, 30 bucks. And then I started to realize the demand behind it. And I was like, these shoes are worth a little bit more than that, as I saw on different forums and stuff. Like, Because this is way before StockX, way before GOAT. This is before it was cool. This is when people used to tell me I was stupid for having all these shoes and it wasn't worth it. And people used to, I remember my friends in college used to make fun of me saying, oh, yeah, so what are you gonna actually do when you graduate? Like, what are you gonna really do? Because they all were like, I'm about to go work at this job, right? And I'm like, I'm about to flip kicks. I'm about to keep building my business, right? And little did they know, I'm like flying out to All-Star Weekend all, with a bunch of pro athletes, having a great time. Like I know all these people. I'm selling shoes, making money, going to private parties. And it's all through sneakers. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's all fun and games, right? And then I'm like, you can make a lot of money from this. So that kind of all evolved into that. And my thing was always like, the only reason why I sold shoes was to get more shoes in my collection. That's what I was trying to do originally. So... Throughout the years, I was making a bunch of money. I was just buying the right shoes. I'm like, if I buy these shoes now, they're going to go up in value later. And I can use that if I want to sell something. And I can put that money down on the house, which is what I did when I got out of college. I had about 700 and something pairs of shoes when I graduated. And I was like, cool. Let's sell like for, like for probably like 300, 350 pairs of shoes. Let's sell some. Took all the cash. It had enough money for me to put um, a loan payment down for a regular conventional loan and enough money to put me, uh, money down for a hard money lender. So I bought, that's how I got the two houses within that month period. And it all worked out. And I was like, this came from sneakers that everybody was making fun of me of. And I'm like, this is my nest egg. Like this is, you got a savings account. I'm like, I know sneakers go up way more in value than a savings account. So let me continue to reinvest into myself and just kind of repeat that process and build that cycle.
2: I I think that's so cool in terms of just the way you're thinking about it, like how it it can literally turn from one pair of shoes and then, you know, you invest in the next pair and the next pair. And then the next thing you do with that is actually turn that into like, you know, real revenue production, uh, real revenue producing assets like in the house. Right. So like the fact that it's it almost reminds me of, you know, those what was that thing? It was like a paperclip, like you ever see that thing where it was like trade a paperclip and the guy like trades a paperclip and ultimately oh, yeah. like ends up with a yeah, house. Yeah. Yeah. It's like almost like that, right? Like the fact that you can literally think about starting with one pair of shoes and turning that into like a real revenue producing asset that puts you in in a position to have your expenses covered where now you can like dial in and focus on what you actually love, which is like doing all the stuff with sneakers and enabling you to like create amazing content around that. I think that's, um, yeah. that's a really cool, cool way to think about the progression in terms of like your career and it's very it's very authentic to what you um you know what you were all about and what you said you wanted to do do in the first place
1: and it's so crazy because I started with that one pair of shoes and like you said building up that collection I had the job at my parents restaurant that was the only money I had ever coming in when I was in high school and all my money was spent on my house or my uh my shoes and my car I had a little Honda, and I had the the lights underneath the car and the TVs in the back, and we had the music in there, and we was always having a good time. Like, I was like, let me pimp out my ride type thing, because you remember pimp my ride used to be popping back in the day. So um, I was just, like, kind of on that wave, and it was just crazy to think, like, it all seeded from that. Like, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, I ended up getting a job, and I worked an internship, and I made some good money, and then I put all the money into sneakers, and then I built it. It was like... I was literally flipping from that one pair of shoes, sophomore, junior year in high school, the money that I had, and then it just built up this crazy thing. So yeah, it is kind of so, wild to think. So
0: how did that customer base build and develop? right? So like as you as you stock, as you continue to sell more, you continue to get better and better sneakers, better inventory. Now you start getting to a point where, like, you need a new league of customers, people with Mm -hmm. more money than maybe like the previous customers that you had. Mm -hmm. So how did you expand the audience more and more? Was it more word of mouth? When did the and then and then after that, when did the content start actually, you know, bringing you your new customers?
1: Right. So. It all started with me just loving kicks, doing that stuff. And then people wanted my shoes. So I was helping people out here and there. And then I found my identity really quick in the sneaker space on selling shoes. I realized that size 13 is hard to get. People respect my collection even more because I wear a size 13. Because they know it's harder to get. So when they see my shoes, they're like, damn, this dude got the shoes and it's in a size 13? That's crazy. So I'm like, let me buy and sell to everybody who wears 12, 13, 14. I'm not trying to be the sneaker plug for everybody. If I get stuff in other sizes, yeah, I'm going to still sell it if I know I can make some money. But let me be the specialist in like these are the sizes. Let me take care of all the people with the big feet that's trying to get the plug on the shoes that need the good love. So I'm like doing that. I really found that identity. And then I made sure I had the best prices. Because I understood what it was like to be a sneakerhead and wanting to have a good deal and being able to know like, okay, I'm willing to spend extra on a pair of shoes so I can have in my collection. But at the same time, I'm not trying to pay top dollar. So when people would be negotiating and all that stuff and they'd be like, oh, what about this? I'm like, all right, cool. Yep, let's do it. Let's do it. You're right, bro. $20 less? Fine. No problem. Because they're like, oh, he's dope. Like he hooked me up. He plugged me. And that is now going to lead to word of mouth. Other people like, he really took care of me. He got me next time and next time. And I'm like, if I just do more volume and selling and, you know, take that little $20 hit on per shoe or whatever, that's fine. Because now I got way more people that want shoes and I can just flip more kicks. You get leverage. Right. And, And that came to then was like, I built this name up and then I found another niche in my space. I was like, I'm an athlete. I play football. I know all the athletes. I got a bunch of friends in the NFL, the NBA, D1 athletes, like all this stuff. And at the time, it was mainly high school, college, not too many in the NFL or NBA, but we were all on the verge growing up together. So now I see my friends now in this current time in life, they're veterans in the league. And now now I have even more authority. But before that, I was like, let me plug in my homies and take care of them, make sure they got the dopest kicks on the court or something to wear when they're going to whatever thing and preparing for their next game out at some D1 game or whatever it is. So I did that because I realized all of us athletes typically wear similar sizes. I'm a wide receiver. I'm a, I'm a bigger person. Like I understand that. You need a size 13. I got a lot of guys I can take care of, whether it may be linemen, quarterback, receivers, different positions like that. There's a lot of guys that wear that size. So I'm like, great, let me dominate that space for athletes in particular and then be that plug for those guys, which then led to what, two, three, four years later? Now they're getting drafted, which I thought I was going to get drafted too. And now they're getting drafted. We're all going to the league. Cause I was really trying to like, I'm going to go to the league. And when I get to the league, I'm going to be the plug for all my friends on my team. And then I'm going to dominate that space and still be flipping kicks while I'm in the NFL. That was my goal. But it was fine because I still knew everybody and it all kind of unfolded over time, but it was just planting those seeds initially, having that end goal in mind, knowing like, if I do this, this is what's going to happen and the things that's going to come next.
2: Yeah. The the thing I love about that is like, you can literally take the, what you've done in the shoe space and just like extract these like really core business principles out of them. So the two that like jump out at me, right out of the gates, or one was like how you went niche, you were like, Mm -hmm. I'm going niche after specifically 12 to 14. That's going to be my focus of hard to get kicks, because like people know, them. there's a demand for it. And I'm going to be the person for this one specific niche, which makes it easier for you. And you can be more descriptive when you're selling your product and your customers know exactly what they're getting. And the second is like the mindset of investing in relationships and investing in your peers, knowing that like, this is something that will you back down the line right like when you make an investment a dollar today you're not going to see it and it's not going to come back for a while but when it pays you out it's going to pay you in spades so whether that's like you were saying like yo like i'm going to have the competitive prices i'm going to hook up my friends because i know over time we're all going to grow together um i think that's a really important thing and we i see it all the time like when we're when we're work when i'm working with like my peers right like we were all in college together and the next thing we know now it's like everyone has their own company everyone's building their own thing and it's like if you treat people well and you have this like abundance mindset where everyone's growing together like over time those relationships are going to continue to pay out so I just love the fact that you can put the put that like lens and and just like look at them from the microcosm and the perspective of of shoots which is
1: something everyone can relate to right yeah it's crazy and that's kind of what like my dad told me a long time ago, he was like, you gotta brand yourself. You gotta know like your identity and brand yourself. And that kinda, my glasses, I used to make, the people used to make fun of me for wearing these glasses. These were not cool 10 years ago, but this was my style. I liked it. My grandpa would wear these same type of glasses. It's like, these are dope, like this is me. And then now I look and I'm like, everybody wearing these type of glasses. But at the time it wasn't cool, it wasn't fun. And it's always hilarious like seeing that stuff. But um with that, and branding myself, I also branded myself, like you said, with the peers at college. And I think if there's any college students that are listening to this, definitely think about like what you can do with the network that you build from the people at college. Don't worry about being the coolest kid. Just be cool with everybody. You don't have to be mean or always have your head down when you're walking to class. Like, walk by, say hello, wave at people, say hi. Like... Be that person. It's okay to smile when you see somebody when you walk past them. Because later, you never realize how much of an impact that is on the people that you go to school with. And then they hit you up. And you'd be like, oh, I forgot about so-and-so. They hit you up four years later, three years later. Hey, bro, I'm at this business. I've been doing this thing. I live in Boston now. Like, You should come out. We got a private party. Welcome to come. I'm like, I'm on the next flight. I'm out. And it all comes from those little things like that. So I think a lot of people take those things for granted. And that's a huge key to, like you said, building relationships and really taking your business to a next level.
2: And I think just life in general, you never know where it's going to go. And there's so many things that happen throughout the course of a day, a year. Um, You know, people move, people work on different things. Mm -hmm. And when you put yourself in a position to, you know, like you're saying, just be nice, be great with people. And like, put yourself out there over time, you never know when those relationships are going to compound and like pay you out in spades. So I, th- I think that's an awesome perspective, especially for any of the younger kids that are listening, like be a good person, be nice to everyone and like grow that network and just know over time that these are relationships that, that, that might mean a lot to you in the future. Um, so DJ, I just kind of wanted to go back a little bit to now, like, you know, you've you're out of college and you're like, I've made the decision, I want to go start creating more new content around the shoes, build a new channel, etc. What was the first types of content that you were creating on your current channel? And how did you grow it from, you know, like, there was a certain time where you're uploading your first video, you don't have subscribers. So take me back to there. And what, w- what was the content you were producing? What was the strategy around, you know, going from call it zero to 1000 subs?
1: So it all started actually with me and my cousin. I was like, let's try to do a channel together. And I was like, I was really, really committed to it. Like I'm watching Casey Neistat and all the different guys. And I'm like, yo, I got to do vlogs. Like Casey vlogs every day. This is super dope. Like I got to show my stuff. Like, so it was like, we're trying to do vlogs and and then shoe reviews and it was kind of like a mixture of those two and then I started seeing like okay either you got a vlog channel or you got a review channel like it's kind of hard to mix the two and then from there it was like our schedules weren't aligning things weren't happening so the consistency and all that stuff it wasn't like a serious thing it was just like let's have some fun let's do some dope things but then as it started to progress and it's like yo we hit 100 we hit a thousand subscribers like I'm like you know me I, I hit that goal I hit that line and I'm like we got to turn it up we got to turn it up we got to get to ten thousand, you know so that kind of happened and we hit the thousand like within the first year and it was just kind of you know making videos as we could getting stuff done and then within the second year coming in uh 2018 so 2017 we were we only made like a couple videos we went to sneak uh complex kind of like for that was november so it was only i would say 2018 was like the first year the second year 2019, it was like, okay, got like six or seven thousand subscribers, had a couple videos pop, all that stuff. And then things started to grow, and I'm like, I'm ready to turn it up. Like, what's up? You trying to do this? And it just kind of didn't really align, and it was fine. It was just like, I knew this is something that I wanted to do. So, when got to close to around 10,000 subscribers, I like went to a video conference, which again, invest in yourself. Make sure that you guys are putting yourself in places to network and do cool things and learn a lot from other people. And don't be so big headed acting like, you know, all the stuff, because even at my point now, I don't know it all. I'm still trying to figure it out. There's so many things you can learn. What you got to say about I, that? I know you got something.
0: Yeah, no, I think, you know, I I, I always enjoy investing in myself, whether it's a book you know, I do a course every now and then. There's never been a single time that I've regretted, even if it costs thousands of dollars, even if it's, you know, the, the the price is not even like, you know, there's books that are 10, 20 bucks that I've, you know, I even give give out to friends, give out to people, like they're just life-changing. So what have been like as a creator, like some of the best investments in yourself that, that you've made, whether it's a conference, you know, Editing, you mentioned you were learning affiliate marketing. Like, What were some of those best investments you made?
1: So it was uh, crazy because it was like, I know I need to put myself in the right place to make this happen. I need to learn more. So when we were kind of transitioning between just like me taking over the channel, doing everything myself, it was like, all right, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? Mr. Beast actually came to Springfield, Oregon, which is like right by the University of Oregon, Oregon Ducks. So he came out there to do a video. And I was like, you know what? He put a tweet out the day before. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just wake up in the middle of the night, drive out there and see what happens. Like, I gotta do this. I gotta take a chance. Like, you know what I'm saying? This dude's popping. He's got like 10 million subscribers, 15 million subscribers. And I'm like, let me go. So I go out there. And the next thing you know, there's just thousands of people everywhere. And they're like, we're only taking a hundred people. And I'm like, What am I going to do? So I see where the buses are going and how they're picking people up. And they're literally just picking up whoever gets on the bus type thing. They're like, checking your ID to make sure you're of age. And then they let you on the bus. I see where the bus is going. And I'm like, everybody's hurting over here. But the buses are actually going on that side. Like, why wouldn't they just go over there? So I walked on the other side. The bus stops right in front of me. I was uh, like, probably like the... Seventeenth, last person to get on the bus. I make the cut. I hop on the bus. I'm like, great. Now I can go talk to these people. Tell them what's up. And I'm doing my same thing. What's up, bro? I was talking to Chandler. Everybody. I'm a. I'm the sneaker plug. If you need anything, let me know. Da da da. Whoop de So that kind of goes. I plant the seed. Then I see. Literally a couple months later was the transitioning time. That was in the summertime of 2019. October comes around and there's a big video conference, and it's called a Vid Summit out in LA. So I'm like let me go. Like, it's like a thousand dollars or something. I booked it like a couple days before. I was like low-key kind of nervous. I'm like, is this going to be worth it? Like, I don't know if I should do this. Like, I'm not making no money on the channel like that. Like, this is more than I'll be making. I was like, I got to do it. So I go out there and I'm telling you, bro, I learned and met so many people. It legitimately is the day that changed everything like channel went from 10,000 to 30,000 in a couple months kept growing hit 100k right after that like the networking was crazy I got friends now that are still from then back in 2019 I literally was just on a trip with some of them a couple weeks ago then i see Mr. Beast at the thing again his whole team I talked to the managers and next thing you know they call me I'm on a video I'm in Mr. vi I competed for the island like I did all this stuff and I'm like It's all because of me taking that risk and taking that drive and going to do that things and willing to pay that money. So that in particular, that $1,000 or I guess after travel expenses and food, maybe $1,400, $1,500, that $1,500 that I spent was definitely the best $1,500 I spent for my channel, hands down, guaranteed.
0: Yeah, I um I can totally relate to that. I did sort of the same thing. I was I was born and raised in Puerto Rico and I was living back there before I started, you know, my first SaaS company in the software space and I just booked a ticket. I didn't even have like a tech company yet. And you know, I must have been like 17 around the time, long mm-hmm. story short, ended up meeting the people that were my roommates all throughout till my second software company was built and um all my closest friends, you know, still from that one Conference, I think it's just like even if it feels like it's it's above your means or whatever, it's an investment in yourself. Just do it. Um, there's something about the universe when the you just put the intention out there, the universe like takes care of the rest, um, and and that never fails. So, um, you know, DJ, I wanna I wanna talk a little bit more about like your you know like how how do you split your time okay so first of all the sneaker business is this a retail store is this e-commerce is this like phone like you know delivering the shoes people come mm-hmm. to your house like wh- what is the sneaker business and then what are the other businesses that you have
1: so for me um i was actually just putting a list together which i'll i'll talk about the list in a second but like all my streams of income so before, when I was in college, I had an office downtown in Portland, even though I was going to college somewhere else. Had an office space, and it was a real private, very intimate. Like, I had a bunch of sneakers in there. I shared the space with some friends. They had their businesses was growing up. Like you said, we're all growing together. Ha- they got successful businesses now, too. And that's where I would, all my NBA friends, the hotel, or all the um, players stay when they come to play against the Blazers, was like six blocks away or something like that. So I would used to go, when I was in town, I would go pick them up, bring them to the office, have all the shoes laid out. Private shopping experience for the athletes. No cameras, no no fans, no. You know what I'm saying? Just come in, have a good time, buy the kicks that you want. Don't worry about. It. I don't even gotta take a picture with you, bro. It's cool. Like my thought is always like, I don't need to take a picture with everybody. I'm gonna see you again. We're gonna have a good time now, and I'm gonna see you in the future. Don't worry about it. Like that's how I feel about stuff. Because I heard, I heard uh, Will Smith say that. He was like, why would I take pictures when I go on a trip? I'll just come back and enjoy it even more because I know more from last time. <laughs> like That's a good one. I like that. So it was kind of like that. Very private. And then everything else for just everybody else was online. E-commerce. No, like in person. I didn't really like to do all that stuff. It just was too complicated for me with timing and everything. When I got out of school, that was the transition of like, okay, I'm still selling kicks. I sold a lot of stuff for the houses. And I knew like, the house is going to make me a lot more money than these shoes. Like I put the money in the cribs and my equity as everybody knows right now is way more than what I would have made off of shoes sitting or all the effort I would have put into flipping all those sneakers. So that was like, great. I built that. I got this next foundation. I got the rental income. This covers my life expenses and now I don't have to worry about flipping kicks as much. So I got, I was already selling like the crazy, you know, five, $20,000 sneakers. Um, and I, I didn't really want to do, that became my new niche. I didn't want to sell like two, three, four, five hundred dollars sneakers anymore because you got a lot of people complaining over the price and all this stuff. And I'm like, when you're selling to clients that got $7,000 shoe, this is the price. They're not worried about $10. This is what the price is. This is what you get. All right, cool. I'm shipping out tomorrow. No problem. Wire transfer. We're good to go. So for me, it was a lot easier that way. So I'm like, great. As I'm transitioning through that this is going to be my slowly stepping back, stepping away from selling sneakers. And that's what brought me into building my hobby to hustle program, which is basically, like you said, implementing all the things that I've learned over the years. It's a full eight week program that teaches everybody all the stuff they need to know from beginning to end online, you know, in person networking, collecting. And it has the intention to teach people either how to grow your collection or make a bunch of money, whatever one you decide to do. And that was like my new form of flipping kicks. I'm like, "Let me do it this way. Let me generate you know a, a digital product that's passive. I work one time, and then I make money forever. So that's what has been my slow transition through the past couple of years. And now, at this point, I get free shoes, and I don't have to worry about selling nothing, and it just makes life is a lot easier.
0: <laughs> that's huge. I mean, you know, it's like that it's the same principles for the houses than for the sneakers. You know, it's flipping assets. Um, and just like you had the niche of 12 to size 14, I'm sure you probably applied the same in, in the real estate, you probably focus in a specific type of home. Um, and so it's amazing that you were able to see that, you know, hey, which asset can I do this for that appreciates faster, you know, it's it's larger in price and it's lower volume and I can manage. So Okay, so you have these, you know, all these areas, all these ways to make income. How much percentage of your time is dedicated? What percentage of your time is dedicated to making content and do you have a team? Uh is it just you and you know, how how did that evolve over time?
1: So, the this last year was heavy on um balancing the real estate, uh, investing in the fix and flip properties, uh, making sure that the Airbnb is running smooth, different things like that. And still trying to create, Start, you know, I got massive growth on the channel. I had hit, I'm like, I'm getting a hundred thousand subscribers. I'm getting offers for stuff, brand deals, all these things. And I'm like, what do I do? And then I'm like, okay, just like when I was in college, I had the business, the football, the class, all this stuff. I'm like, now I just got these two things. It's YouTube, real estate, you know, what do I want to do? I want to get even more into what I love the most. So, I'm like, how can I build something and structure my business through passive income online to then also coincide with my passive income with the real estate, which then got me into my third house. And when I got the third house was last year or the year before? I think that was a I don't know, it was about a year ago. So, I got the third house and that was like, whew, stamp. I'm good. Like I got this foundation. I got great equity. The properties are worth well over a million dollars now. Like I got another nest egg. I got the sneakers and I got this. So then once I did that and I felt comfortable for the last year, this year I decided I'm going full time. I'm not worried about the flips. Now all I do is just throw cash on a flip. I don't, I barely see the property. I wait till it's done get my money on the back end. I don't have to worry about any of it. So that's kind of that. And it created my time. So this is my first full time year doing it and everything editing emails, calls, thumbnails, uh, you name it, analytics, reading you, whatever you name that comes along being an online creator is it's been me. I don't have a team. I don't have something like that. It, I mean, compliments to my parents, compliments to my wife. Don't get me wrong. You know, I got my family and I got my support that definitely helped me when I need them. So I cannot shout them out, but At the end of the day, yes, it's it's basically like a one-man band thing. So now, as of literally last week, I just hired hired somebody to take care of my email marketing. And I went to a conference on uh, Monday this week. Um, I brought an email marketing uh, person to help me take care of that. And then yesterday, I just got an editor to help me. Um, bust down all my videos, get me more TikToks and reels popping and help my distribution and take care of all my passive, uh, my evergreen videos because those aren't really time sensitive on the upload. So now I have somebody to take care of that and now I can really focus on what videos need to be uploaded now, what's going on with current events and then I can really put more time into it. So my team is, I guess I got an editor and a email person and me now as of less than a week. So <laughs> we're slowly growing. <laughs>
2: No, that's that's awesome to hear. And and one thing that I think is so cool in terms of like managing that whole the whole stack in terms of from content production to editing, like you're saying to the thumbnails to like knowing when you're publishing and distribution and everything is like you have a really good understanding now, having grown your channel um, over time of how like everything works and what the intricacies are and where you need to focus. And I think like the applicable business, um, you know, side of that would be uh like the corollary for running a business it's like as an operator you know how to run your business a lot better when you've like built everything and you've done everything yourself right then it puts you in a position to be able to manage delegate and know where the high impact things are and where you should be allocating your time um so now that you're like starting to like pass off some of those responsibilities um what i'd be super curious about is like what are some of those lessons like what does it take to make good content to grow a channel, to make content that's engaging and to grow on these platforms. Like what are what are the what are the lessons you've learned over time in terms of growing your channel to to do that?
1: I think um like you said piggybacking on the making sure I'm taking care of everything. That is a huge thing. Like if you don't put that time in, if you try to outsource all the work at the beginning, you don't know what you're paying for. That's like same thing when I got into real estate. I was in there Tearing down the walls, installing the bathrooms, putting in the tiles, doing all the things. And then I knew what I could pay somebody to do it when I didn't want to do it anymore. Same thing with the channel. And with that, I was able to understand like, okay, I'm building out something that's authentic to me and I'm allowing people to see the process of my growth, knowing that I'm the one who did it. And I have to keep myself as true as possible because the internet can see when you're not really you, right? And people see my passion through the things that I create around. So I think when people do, they kind of hold themselves out and just make videos because they think it's going to be along the lines of like, oh, this is going to pop right now. Well, do you really want to talk about that? Or do you really want to do that? Why are you doing it? People are like, why didn't you review this sneaker? Why didn't you review that sneaker? I don't like them. If I'm going to make the video, it's just going to be me talking bad about the shoe the whole time. Like, you're not going to enjoy that. It's not going to be fun. Let me just review the stuff that I really like the most. And if, you know, maybe if I got a couple days that I miss, that's fine. I'm not going to put too much pressure on myself to meet this schedule and do this. And I know some people say, have an upload schedule, do all those things. For my sanity, it doesn't work. (laughs) I got to wake up, feel good, be in the vibe and create naturally when I want to. And I think before all those other things, it comes down to me and knowing how I feel and what I want, because it radiates throughout all your content and people can see that. So. Once they get that authenticity in the creator, they connect so much faster.
0: I mean, it's all about energy, right? Like you have to know how to channel your energy. If you don't have that energy and you force it, that's the moment when you start. That's probably where some creators burn out when it just, you know, that's not why you started it in the first place. It's like you know some people are like and and look i'm i'm an advocate i like volume i'm an advocate for volume but at the same time it's like a blessing and a curse cuz then like it's not easy to have to put out you know 10 videos a week um or even a day some people do you know 5 plus a day um but i i totally agree with that i see what you're saying there
1: yeah there's definitely a lot of um ways i think that too like that comes down to People compare themselves with other creators and look at the volume or this or that. And it's like, just like real estate, everybody is successful in their own ways. There's many of ways you can have a rental income. You can have apartment complex. You can wholesale deals. You can, you know what I'm saying? There's so many different ways. And when it comes to content, it's all the same. Like you said, the core business strategies through anything is all the same. You got to find your lane. You got to know. This is what my upload schedule is. This is what I do. This is how many times I can get stuff out a week and people compare themselves and then it hurts them. And they're like, well, I'm not doing as much as so-and-so. Don't worry about it. Like you're on your schedule, you're on your time. It's going to come when it comes, like, let it be real.
0: And it's like Mr. B's for example, where, you know, his strategy is to reinvest all the money into the next big piece of content. Um, and that's not necessarily your strategy from what I see. Um, do you mean, I, it seems like you just, you you record in the same setting, et cetera, because all you need is the shoes uh, to make the video, right? So like that doesn't apply to how you make content or are you starting to think about ways in which you can like invest more into the content or is that not necessary?
1: So for me, um, I think last year, especially, I was like, I had my one set up with the paper backdrop with the lights. I wanted to look good. And then I was like, okay, I need a different look. Let me get something else. So I was like, great. This is a content opportunity. Let me build out my office space, make it look cool, you know, do dope pictures for Instagram and a room transformation on YouTube, all this stuff, right? I was like, Let me take advantage of building out my new space. And then I was like, well, I got the other shoe room too. So I have three spaces. I have one shoe room, this shoe room with the office, and then the other one is like the blank kind of canvas where I do the reviews. Each space, I create that environment. I do specific detailed sneaker reviews with the paper backdrop and the clean lights and the good crispy shots. And here, I'm doing like updates and what's going on in the sneaker world and what's coming out next and stuff like that. And then in the other room is where I tell my stories and where everything is gone with my specific shoes and my relation to the sneakers and my experiences through the game. So I can set that tone for the viewers that are more loyal to the channel and be like, oh, when he's in here, he's about to tell a good ass story today. Or like when he's over here, I'm about to get a good update on something. Or like when I see this, I know it's going to be a good review. So that's kind of my way of, you know, just changing up, finding ways to create a new scenery, Um, especially as we all know during the pandemic, like. We was at home. So I was actually traveling a lot and going to all the events, making vlogs and going out buying shoes and hitting the sneaker stores and checking out people's shoe collections and flying all around the nation and stuff. And then that all got cut. And I was like, "Okay, I got to create environment here. But now that things are opening back up, I think I have a really good opportunity for a mix between these three environments plus traveling and going to different stores and doing things again. So I'm excited for what's going to come in the future. So so d j let's talk numbers
0: in terms of like I see some videos on your reels with a million views mm-hmm. um your channel how many you know I saw some you've got some videos with two million views um i mean this did this, this is booming your business definitely like how how what kind of numbers are are you seeing in terms of like how is that growing how is that compounding what have been some stats that even you're like damn that's that's a lot
1: right so Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of I love analytics, right? So I found through my videos that um, when I make those tutorials on like how to lace your shoes and different stuff like that, they take time to pop. But I'm really focused on building that foundation still to this day on evergreen videos like I incorporate multiple every month because I know I want people to watch these videos 10 years from now. I don't want people to watch the video now and it's not relevant next month and then they don't watch it again and I'm relying on continuously creating and creating and creating. I want to be able to take a trip, get the same views and everything's fine. Like I was like a couple months ago, we're going to Hawaii and book a trip. Let's just have a good time. I'm not worry about making videos. I don't want to be by my phone. I don't want to do anything. I still got a million views for the month and nothing changed because of my old videos continuously making that evergreen growth. So what I found with those videos was... um they take eight to 10 months to kind of pop off. They'll be like super slow. And then my graph will just start going like this. And then next thing you know, it'll be like, yeah, it'll be like, you know, okay, four or five, 10,000 views. it will go up. And then next thing you know, eight, 10 months later, it'll just like start shooting and it'll go from like 20 to 30. And then you'll see it at like 100, 150K, 200K, 300K. And then you give it another year and it's like 300, 400, 500K, k million, depending on the video. So Initially, you don't see that because you're just getting started out, you're trying to make content, all these things, and we have impatience, right? We're not willing to wait and see how it all flourishes. So once I was able to see it all flourish, I was like, this is the foundation. If I do evergreen videos a couple times every month, and they pop next year and the year after, and they continue to compound on each other, my numbers are going to stay consistent, my growth is going to stay consistent, and it can only go up from here, so... That was a huge thing when it came to that side. On looking at the growth and creating that consistency.
2: Yeah, and the, and the thing I'd say too is like even if you're thinking about like the invest, like Ramon, we were, were talking about like, do, are you investing back in the channel and this and that? It's like, it's like what you what you've been doing the whole time has been investing into the channel, into the growth, into the content production, into the properties. Um, so you know, I, I know Mr. Beast is like constantly like flipping his whatever, like challenge he did into the next bigger video and boosting budget. But like in a lot of ways, I think you are reinvesting and that's why you've seen so much success and growth of the channel and thinking about like that long-term and even the evergreen content that, okay, if I post it now, like, yeah, my views are going to be a couple thousand this month, but over time that's going to compound and compound and compound. Um, and then I think the other cool thing in terms of the, uh, what you had said about like setting up the the scenery for how, what videos are going to look like and and it's just like a great way to establish consistency and brand trust of your videos and your viewership. Um, so I think that's something that like, you've done a really great job of is like, if I look at your channel, whether it's the thumbnails or the videos themselves, they're very consistent and it's like easy to digest and follow and know where to navigate and know what you're gonna get. Um, so as as we wrap up here, DJ, what's what's next on the the horizon for you in in, you know, in the next year? Any any other exciting collabs or content pieces that you're looking to create now that you've got a little team working with you?
1: So I have a, a lot more just bigger opportunities coming. Oh, and one thing I gotta tell everybody too, because this is what I changed. It was like, I'll be like, I'm charging this amount for my brand deals. And I was like, let me just 5X it and see what happens. Everybody pays the 5X price. Why wasn't I doing this from before? I was undervaluing myself, and now I'm like, I should increase it more. So I have to continue to work on that too. And I think a lot of people undervalue themselves as creators, thinking, "Oh, that, trust yourself, know your numbers. If you can back it up, like you're providing value to the business too." So I think for me, I'm gonna. I feel like that's gonna be one thing that's gonna be massive on my growth um, on the back end of like financially, which is then gonna help me be able to fund the bigger ideas because I want to open up like a center. I want to have a place where young creators can come. I can help manage those creators and help them grow their channels. And then maybe work a deal and say, hey, I'll take 10% of the channel, take you to the next level, get you to that silver play button. And you have a safe space that you can come to. You know, you can earn your sneakers by having good grades. And some of these inner city kids just don't have those opportunities. So for me, I want to be that big homie that can do those things. Now, is that going to happen next year? I don't think so, but I think it's going to happen in time, just like everything else. So right now I got to start putting that energy out into the world, letting people know this is what I want to do. And you might check up on me in a few years and this is like, bro, come through the studio. Like we got all the kids here. We got a special speaker today. Like, cause with all the Nike designers and stuff being in our backyard, I can have so many friends and family that I know come and speak to the kids, come and help them and change that. So I think that's my biggest focus now is like getting back to those roots of why my content was created and how can I impact my audience even more? Um, Because that's obviously, you know, going to grow, grow the audience faster and build a stronger audience and all those things. But I think I just got to really focus on my impact as much as possible this year.
0: And you're already building the pipeline because you might have one of those students that's a star who you can help then, you know, grow their channel because you can see it. You can spot it early and say, this kid's got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it reminds me of the same kind of move you did with, you know, from the sneakers to real estate. Everything you do um, has a purpose on the other side of it. Um, and it, and it's, not, it's not that it's in, you know, self-interest. It's actually adding value to whether it's the watcher, the buyer, the student, um it's life-changing you know ways to make money so um dj like and and so you know there was always a theme along along the lines of like leverage that i think is really important for creators to understand um you know my biggest takeaways was like you know give 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 and like don't don't go at it with the me versus them mentality um build build volume expand your network invest in yourself know when you have the leverage that's when you can say to a brand you know what price is up 5x take it or leave it you know i've got a mass volume of customers now that yeah i might have not made the best margin on them starting out but they trust me and they're going to support whatever um i do next um so I'm excited. I'm excited for what's next. Do you have a TikTok? How how are you? how are you pushing content? TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. Do you create content for each one?
1: So I uh, I was always against TikTok. I had it like when it first started, and then I was like, you know, it's just not for me. I was just being ignorant, basically, because everybody's you know they you don't want to dance. Yeah, well, th- that too. And it's just like, when you start getting good at something and a new platform comes, you're like, I don't want to be bad at this new thing. I want to <laughs> yeah. just continue to be good at what I'm doing. Like, But then I realized, like, okay, if I start making these skits and having fun and just being myself, it's going to be cool. And I was just repurposing those videos onto a Shorts channel. I, s- I built a separate Shorts channel uh, for YouTube. And then on Instagram, I did that. And I went from like 20-something thousand followers through the channel growth and the, the reels um, but I went from like 20 something thousand to like almost sixty thousand followers just like in these past like six or seven months, and it's been like this massive growth. And then I looked at TikTok and I'm like, I'm doing these same skits and I'm reposting them on Instagram, and they're working way better on Instagram, but I was making them for TikTok. Why is this happening? Like, I only got about twelve thousand, seventeen thousand subscribers or followers on TikTok. And then I, I made one TikTok and I was like, somebody asked a question, and I found out about the feature where you could reply to the question through a video and make it a TikTok. So I did that, and it was like, oh, do you have this shoe? And I was like, yeah, I got this shoe, bro. And I go and pull it out, and I show them and everything. When I did that, flooded engagement. Everybody's like, you got this, you got that, or you don't have this, you don't have that. And then they're either trolling because they want to get featured, or they really think I don't have it. And then they realize, like, damn, this dude's got hella shoes. So I started doing that, and I started replying to everybody's things. And it was super easy to, like, batch film a bunch of TikToks And and like literally like 15, 20 minutes. And it will last me for days. So I just go in there, grab some kicks. Oh yeah, I got these, bro. Make a funny joke. Like just be myself. And they're like, yo, this dude is funny. He's got all the kicks. Like he really be about this life. And it built that trust into my viewers and my followers. And like, I got to follow him. So I went from like 20 something thousand. I just cracked 70,000 followers in the past, like three and a half or maybe might have only been like three weeks. And it's like been this crazy growth on TikTok. So now I'm like, I got to make some more TikTok. So I think I'm a yeah. fan of TikTok now.
2: No, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, DJ. Um anyway, we're we're super pumped to for for you to come on, share your story with us this episode was super fun. Um and then for all our our listeners, where 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 can they find you? Where are your channels on YouTube? What what's your handles across all those platforms?
1: So I'm DNA Show on YouTube um, and then DJ Sneakerhead, DJ underscore Sneakerhead, which way typically if you search DJ Sneakerhead, you'll find me. Um, you'll see a, a nice, beautiful face of me in the icon. It's like the same photo. I try to brand everything the same. So you shouldn't have a hard time finding me. DNA Show on YouTube, DJ Sneakerhead. I'm the guy that likes sneakers.
2: <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks yeah. so much for joining us on the show. It was awesome. Yeah,
1: yeah, I appreciate thanks. it. Okay. Thank you guys for having me.